0: Welcome to the and Audible's podcast. Matt Parim, Eric Scopel, Jared Mack on today's show. Happy holidays to you and all. Uh, Because of the holidays, we're offering our best sale of the year for DuckTerritory.com. If you are a big fan of this podcast, we hope you are. The best way to support us and to continue that we do these shows on a regular basis and for free is to support us on DuckTerritory.com. And you can do so today for 75% off an annual membership. Uh, 12 months of DuckTerritory.com for less than $29. Uh, it's a huge savings. Uh, it's right at a perfect time if you're not a member because we're going to preview this weekend's Oregon State game. We've got potentially a game in Vegas to get Oregon to the Pac-12 Championship. Uh potentially a playoff run or a new Year's six game and then national signing day. And then men's and women's basketball is in full force. And before you know it, uh, we'll have our baseball and our softball coverage on DuckTerritory.com. Um, so highly encourage you guys to go check out that sale. It ends here in a couple of days. So don't miss it. All right. Um, we've spoken with Dan Lanning Monday night. We have spoken with a couple players. We got to see practice play out. And let's start with practice first. There were a couple names not at practice, but also at the same time, I don't know if my, if my worry meter is all that high right now.
1: I think in general, let's just keep the worry meter really low unless somebody suffered like a significant injury on a Saturday and is absent on that next Tuesday because we've been through this. I think we've talked it out before. Like a guy misses a Tuesday, he's come. He can certainly play on Saturday. So to to kind of jump into it, um, probably I'm not probably the most significant. Julio Florence didn't catch him today at practice. Um, Jaleel's been obviously dealing with something that's been nagging him for gosh, back to the Washington game. Um, I can't even remember. Like I know Kyrie was dealing with stuff into the bye week after Stanford. I don't remember if Jaleel was then or or what, but it's been something that he's been kind of working through or maybe multiple things he's been working through for a while. So for him to miss a Tuesday, I don't think is the most alarming thing because he's missed Tuesdays in the past and has played on Saturdays, Um, but his absence should be noted. And then um, three reserve defensive backs also didn't catch a couple of true freshmen, Roger Pleasant, Dalen Austin. Um, Neither of those guys practiced the last time we saw them last week, which was Wednesday. And I don't believe either of them made the trip down to Tempe either. Um, And then Kamari Terrell, who uh, I believe played a little bit, or at least he's out on the participation chart, um, did not see him as well on on Tuesday. So those are the four guys. I, I think Pleasant and Austin maybe are, are likely to be out for a bit here, but I mean, I wouldn't put a ton of stock into it. And then Jaleel, I, I think on Friday I'm expecting to be out there, um, but the fact that he missed his practice is at least notable.
2: Yeah, I think the one thing that gives me a little bit of pause with Jaleel is that he's been battling his injuries, and this is technically a Wednesday practice because sure. it's a short week. So uh, we are unsure if he went to practice yesterday, which was Monday, which would have been a Tuesday, quote-unquote, Tuesday practice here for Oregon on this short week. So that's the one thing that gives me pause. Um I don't know if I expect to see him out there on set on Friday, but I think it would make the most amount of sense. Dalen Austin has been as a sling for a long time, so I don't think we'll be seeing him again probably this season. You know, Roderick Pleasant had three snaps against USC, didn't go back into the game towards the end, and then missed the Wednesday practice and then didn't travel down to Tempe. Uh, Kamari Terrell played the very first kickoff for Oregon, got re-aggravated, whatever his injury was, looked like a lower leg injury, and then didn't play the rest of the game. So, We'll see that um, if he comes back, but uh, still fine on the injury front. You still have guys like Kyrie Jackson, who was still there. Dante Manning, Julio, or it's not Jaleel Florence, but Nico Reed and TreQuess Bridges there um, as guys who stepped up. And then Solomon Davis is a true freshman who made the trip to Tempe, uh, was the third string cornerback today during drills. So there are bodies there. It's not that there are, um, you know, that there's nobody left. But you certainly would want to have Jaleel out there if, if possible.
1: Should we mention um, with just Evan Williams? We saw him. He did practice. I was yeah, surprised. he
2: was back. Yeah, and
1: he had his, but his right hand was it has. He's in and out. This is how, I think he it's a club man. The very beginning. It's of the even season. better. It is, it is fully, fully wrapped though.
2: Yeah,
0: you're not a you're not a Williams safety at Oregon if you're not wearing a club. Uh, his his no. brother wore a club, and now Evan's wearing a club. Uh, he played a little bit after that injury happened at ASU. I'd love to know when it happened because he fielded a punt and then left and then later returned. So I wonder if he did it on the punt. I don't know, but it is what it is. Um, This game, uh, Mace Funa shared on Instagram very early Tuesday morning or yes, today is Tuesday. I forget what day it is for a second. Um, That the fourth quarter, of that Oregon State game last season was on TV. Um, Jeffrey Bossa said today that it's on loop. Bo Nix says he tries to get into the locker room and out of the locker room as quickly as possible. Um, Monday night, Dan talked about this game, and um, I can't remember. I think Eric asked the question of just what sticks out with you most of the last year's game, and he was very blunt about it, that fourth quarter. Um, I think this team's pretty – like they are acknowledging what happened should not have happened, and they're using it as motivation to to a degree. Um, I'm kind of curious if we're getting angry, Oregon on Friday. Like Dan was very short with all his answers on Monday. We didn't ask any like outrageous questions or you know like ones that could really get him into a bad mood. I don't feel like, and yet you know he maybe it was just him setting the tone for the week that this is a business week. This is. Revenge week, I don't know if you want to call it that or not, but it's just the team was definitely giving the vibe of being kind of pissed off.
1: I would say Dan was matter-of-fact. He was pretty – he was a little bit more um, concise maybe than sometimes on a Monday. At times on Mondays he's gotten a little bit more verbose, maybe kind of gone into things a little more detail. But he was he was pretty to the point and pretty buttoned up. And, and, and to your point, Matt, um, I think it's probably one of the more notable things – this week is the fact that yeah, in their locker room, it sounds like that fourth quarter is running nonstop. Um, I think Dor- Brandon Dorless joked that like we've tried to change a channel, we can't. And as you said, Bro said, I try to get in and out of there as quick as possible. So, you know, um, I think it was correct if I'm remembering this wrong, but I think it was after USC lost to Washington, they they asked some of the players like if they'd been reviewing the game film, and they said yes. they, they didn't. And Oregon yeah. is taking very much the uh, inverse approach here with subjecting the team to nonstop, uh, you know, remembering what took place last year in Corvallis. And not that anybody listening to this podcast needs to be familiarized, but it was ugly. And it makes sense that this team would be kind of pissed off going into this game. And you add on to the fact that, you know, there was some stuff that took place after that game on the field, after the Oregon State fan base kind of stormed it. And Jackson Powers Johnson acknowledged that his parents maybe had some not nice things said to them by Beaver fans. And he said he's carrying a little extra chip this week. So nobody said like directly like we're pissed off. But with the way that they answer some of these questions, it's pretty easy to, to infer how they're feeling. And they're not feeling rosy and great about – kind of what this opposition you know is and and as Jackson has said several times throughout this season of we're not the you know last year we proved that we weren't the best team in the state and I, I think he was the one who also said it's kind of cool that we play a, a Friday state championship game this week it's kind of like takes you back to your, your high school roots where it's a Friday it's a state championship game that's kind of how they're approaching it while also feeling you know some grudges based upon what took place on the field last year and for maybe some of them based upon some stuff that took place after that game too.
2: Uh, are they mad? Like I would sure hope so. I mean, they got their asses handed to them last year in the fourth quarter. I mean, it was 19 straight runs. They couldn't, couldn't stop a nosebleed. And then they went down in the end zone and and the red zone is still couldn't convert had a block punt. I mean, it was a a catastrophic collapse, a 21 point blown lead in the second half after dominating the first half. So, um, are we getting angry Oregon this week? Yeah. Like I, I would sure hope so if I were anybody in that locker room who played on the team last or last year against that Oregon State program, I, I wouldn't stop thinking about it either. And I don't necessarily know that I would need the game to be running in the background, but you want to know what that would make me? Mad, because that game probably still makes me mad if you think about it. Uh, I'm sure for Oregon fans out there, it still makes you mad if you think about it. But Don't think about it right now. We're, we're just having fun here, but – yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. Uh I I agree with you, Eric, that Dan was was short and he was you know, tight-lipped and was succinct in everything he said, but he was mad. There like we there were a couple of questions to maybe try to get Dan to joke around and haha, like have some fun. And he only answered one about DJ and Mateo, only to just show some love for the Uyunglele family, which we all should, but he was mad. Even I think it's as simple mad. as that. Yeah, no, like We've had Dan after losses. We've had Dan after big wins. We've had him everything in between. And I think he was just mad on Monday. And I think that's just the overall direction that the program is headed to this weekend or on Friday. And I don't blame him for that. I think it's very easy to get mad at their performance last season if they're on the team or part of the team or whatever the case may be. And it it should be. Um, It was a game for everything on the line last year, very similar to what it is this year. And they blew a 21-point lead after celebrating going into the fourth quarter on the sideline. So, yeah, no, I, I imagine that a lot of those guys are mad, and I think that's exactly what they need. There's um, a little just, like, extra pick-me-up against a very physical Oregon State team.
0: Yeah, and that kind of goes right into the next segue. They're they're playing a team that, I think Stephen Jones said it, that you know these are two teams that, built their style, their brand on playing physical and, you know, being the aggressor on in the trenches and, you know, Oregon state's defensive line, they get a lot of sacks. They're sixth in the country in that uh, category. They've they've seen an improvement there on their offensive line, even with their injuries that they've dealt with up front with one of their starting guards, they're still going to be elite. They've got NFL guys at, at their tackle positions um their offensive line is is terrific it this is going to be uh it's like a slugfest like both teams throwing rocks at each other and you know I I think Oregon's the better team I think Oregon should win this game by more than two touchdowns but that also doesn't mean that this isn't going to be uh, a hard game like this is I still think it's Oregon's got to bring forth their best effort they've still got to you know, play consistent four-quarter football. And that's something that Steve Stevens, I think, said today was, you know, we played good for three quarters. They played good for four. And we have to play better. And you know, this is going to be one where you know, we're going to learn a lot about this team. Um, We're going to learn a lot about their focus. And, you know, one in which that they probably should blow them out. But will they? I don't know. And blow them out, I mean, by, you know, maybe two scores, two or three scores.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because I agree that Oregon is significantly better. And obviously, Vegas agrees two scores is the line. Um, There's also an Oregon State team that, like, just has been and very, very competitive every week, right? They have three losses by a combined eight points, two by three points, and two by two, or sorry, one by two. So, like, this is a team that has proven to be very resilient. I thought last weekend's game against Washington was a, really epitomized that. I know it was in a loss, um, but the way that they stuck in there and, and hung around and a player two away a mistake or two away from, from winning that game against again, a Washington team that similarly is extremely resilient. And that's, that's kind of the two words. Those are the words I would use to, to describe both Oregon state and Washington is that level of resiliency. of They don't really get, they get down, but they don't, they're not out and they fight and they battle. And there's, you know, the Oregon state's a player two away here. A couple of these games from, from being, you know, it, this game being different where they would have an opportunity to go to Las Vegas with the win. And, I think that's the other part that you know, I hope isn't lost and I think the fan base has a pretty good idea. We've tried to explain it, but like the same thing can't happen this week in terms of if Oregon loses, they don't go to the Pac-12 Championship game most likely. I mean, Arizona State could beat Arizona. I guess Kenny Dillingham could do the Ducks a favor, but if you watch Arizona play recently and really throughout this year, I would be stunned if that's a particularly competitive game unless Kenny's pulling out incredible amount of tricks, which he will try. There's no doubt about it. We just had the whole oh, an yeah, no. experience. Like you know, he's going to run
2: 27
1: uh-huh. swinging gates, and maybe maybe they'll have a right guard at quarterback next this upcoming game, just to throw more thing, weird he things. He's going to try, yeah. He'll, he'll try be out there, but more than likely, this is a same scenario. And Oregon State will have that same motivation of we're not going to go to the conference championship game, but we can make sure that our biggest rival doesn't. So they're going to be motivated. There's no doubt about it. Oregon's going to be motivated for slightly different reasons, but. Oregon State will have its own reason to be, you know, loaded for bear here, and I expect this game to be extremely physical. I think that would be that's the right way to describe it, just the way both of these teams play and what how they pride themselves, especially at the line of scrimmage. Um, I think it's gonna be really fun. I'm 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 really excited to see what this game looks like. Um, to Matt's point, I do think there is a scenario here where. If, if Bo is playing his best and the Ducks play mistake-free football, that they can separate and, and pull away and win rather convincingly. I also wouldn't bet against Oregon State making this a rock fight. And this is a game where you look up and go, gosh, it's the end of the fourth quarter and, and there's eight minutes to go in the final one in this conference between these two rivals in the Civil War series. And you're going, we're going to have to make some plays to win.
2: Yeah, I think that's exactly what it's going to come down to. Yeah. Um... I mean, yeah, I think Oregon is a more talented team and there's a better overall team. Like if they did a Madden rating of the teams overall, I think Oregon is the better team. They have the better players or at least more better players. But it's a rivalry game. It's Oregon State. Uh, we've seen plenty of Oregon teams that are better than the Oregon State team either lose Not or true. have a really – yeah, lose or have a really close game. I actually – here's my hot take of the day. I actually think last year's Oregon State team was much better talent wise, just with a bad quarterback. I don't
0: and think that's, that's a hot my
2: take. I think that's my hot take for the day. If they had DJU good night nurse, that'd be a great team. But they didn't. They still beat Oregon last year, like Matt's point. But we've seen it even in other years as well, where it's regardless of the talent level on both squad both squads, it's it's a closely contested game. Um and that's kind of what I'm thinking. We'll get into our predictions later in the week, but that's kind of how I feel about what's what's happening. But Eric did a great job of outlining what's at state for Oregon State. And I think that's pretty easy to overlook sometimes because they're not competing for a conference championship game. They're not competing for a college football playoff situation. And that's largely what all college football is. It's not... Hey, we 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 get to have a nine-win season, and and uh, you know our program isn't as storied as other teams. And a nine-year, se- nine-win season is really good for us. It's like no, all we care about is the College Football Playoffs and the Pac-12 Championship Game or the Conference Championship Game. But that's going to be a very hard, hard-nosed and determined team that comes out on the field on a Friday in Oregon State. Um, they have a lot to play for. May not seem like it from a very broad, maybe like hundred thousand-foot perspective, but from a one-foot perspective. They have a lot to play for. And Oregon, from a one-foot and 100,000-foot perspective, has a lot to play for. And we talked about it, the trip to the title game, uh, a rematch with Washington, uh, a victory there probably puts you into the uh, college football playoffs, most likely puts you into college football playoffs. We probably sound like we did last year, except for the college football playoff part, because that was more of a not-likely situation to happen with two losses, although one was to Georgia. However, the Pac-12 championship game is still on the line, and that's going to be big because you're likely going to play an undefeated Washington in that matchup. And, and like Eric pointed out, like, same as last year, if Oregon loses, there's no
1: conference championship game. These are going to be two extremely motivated teams, and. Uh,
2: I, I think one of the main points that I've made already is to stop Oregon State's offense on first down, force them to second and third and longs. I think that's going to be probably the biggest thing of the day. It's very similar to what the game plan was for Utah. Do not let the running backs get going on first down, turn it into second, third, and shorts because that's where they pick them up. You force, at that time, it was Bryson Barnes to throw the ball, you have a better chance. Make them play left handed, is what Dan Lanning says. And I think that's the the scenario. But Johnson Smith's a great coach. They're going to have a lot of options there. They're going to run some trick things. Their wide receiver course, small but really good, elite speed. Um, I'm, like Eric, I'm very excited for the game because I think it's going to be a close one. I think it's going to be a little bit of a nail-biter, and that's great. It's going to be the last Pac-12 regular season game for the University of Oregon unless it comes back in 20 years as the Pac-12 because that's what conference realignment does.
0: Yeah this this Oregon State team um Jared talked about it of the passing and making DJU throw the football in second and third and long. Um both their receivers uh, Silas Bolden Anthony Gold both of them are like 58 five, 59 five, at their best. They're 58. Um, yeah, they're sure. probably even they're probably even smaller than that. And you know th- you asked Dan like what's made them so good and he he called their elite speed but I don't know if if either guy is someone that Oregon can has to look at and say, well, we need bracket coverage or we need a safety over the top. Um, like Oregon should be able to to stick, you know, with them and load the box. And we've seen teams do that. Neither guy is inside the top ten and, and passing yard receiving yards this season. Um, they've got a tight end that's solid um, and, and 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 Jack Velling, but. This game's gonna boil down to the front seven. And you talk to Dorless, and he kind of recognized that. Like he said that the way they played in that fourth quarter, and that second half, defensively, the tape that they put out, he said it was not worthy of, of, of Coach T is what he said. You know, his his resume. They they felt embarrassed for him. They felt embarrassed for their unit. And this is just gonna boil down to, I think, just can Oregon make. So to what Jared's point, do what they did against Utah. Can you put them in third and long, second and long situations? And if you do that more often than not, you're going to win this football game just because of the percentages. DJU is going to make mistakes. The receivers aren't; they don't have a possession receiver that they can go to over the middle. Jared and I saw that play out Um we were watching the game in the bar. We we talked about it. Like they just didn't have, you know, they had an open guy, but. It, it was such a tight window to make it because of the lack of height. Um, it, it, it's, it, it seems crazy to say it, but it simply, in my opinion, just boils down to can Oregon's front seven dominate and force them into third and longs, uh, second and longs.
1: I think kind of building off of that, if, and if we want to use the Utah game as kind of the script, is the Oregon offense. If it comes out and has consistent success, and this will be, by the way, we have to acknowledge and we'll get more into the specifics as we go on this week. One of the stiffer tests, Oregon State's defense has been excellent this year. They've replaced a lot of players in the secondary, um, some players in the second level, and they've kind of picked up right where they left off. They've improved, as Matt said earlier, in terms of getting after the quarterback, one of the better teams nationally. But if Oregon is able to create an early lead and have that success early, like we saw in Salt Lake, like we saw this last weekend against Arizona State, um, Right, like we saw against USC. I mean, just this most recent string of games, we've seen it happen pretty regularly here. If they can come out and have some success and put points on the board and it becomes a game where Oregon State is playing from behind, I know you would point and say last year Oregon State was 21 points behind. It didn't throw the football at all in the second half. But I really think that was a one-off, and I would be stunned if that sort of thing is what will take place here. So I, I think if you can create a lead and force, like we said, force DJU to be the one that has to beat you and put it on his shoulders, He is certainly capable of making some awesome throws. It's also not exactly their game plan, not exactly the way they want to play football. They would, they love to play with the lead. they love to be able to just Mm -hmm. lean on their running backs, lean on that offensive line. Again, probably the aside from Oregon, I think this is, I think these are the two best running back offensive line combinations in the conference. And I don't think there's really much argument against it. Um, Both these teams have multiple running backs that are physical runners and both teams have, uh, Joe Moore Award semifinalist offensive lines, and those are given to the best O-lines every year. So mm-hmm. they're already going to come down to the trenches. And But if Oregon can create enough of a lead where, similar to Utah, they have to go, hey, we've got to throw the ball to keep up, yeah. that's, that's not the way they want to play. They can do it, but that's not textbook Oregon State Jonathan Smith football this year.
2: Yeah, I just had one more thing about the game last year. I mean, Oregon got off to that start sure and did it against what i think is a a more i guess individually talented defense i think they had higher level players last season than this year i think this year they are more cohesive of a unit and play better with each other and have obviously have a better defensive line to to get after the quarterback which will be a huge um it's going to be the front seven versus the front seven uh, uh for both sides of this game that i think will kind of determine the outcome but i i mean you have to have all the faith in the world that oregon's offense at least is going to get out to some sort of a head start because really hasn't been a, a defense other than stanford of all of all teams to hold oregon down in like the first quarter and really um uh, you know either a put them at the deficit or b hold them to zero points like it's uh, it's few and far between. Uh, and I'm not saying that Oregon State's defense can't do that because they certainly can. They're a very good unit, like Eric said. They're going to be one of the stiffer tests of the year, but um, I think it's going to be a very similar game plan outline to what it was against Utah. I think those are relatively comparable teams. I know... You know, one is going in one direction, one is going the other direction because of honestly, for Utah, a lot of injuries and just bad luck. On like, unfortunately, just the college football gods didn't didn't love them this year, and that stinks for them because that's a damn good program. Um, but I think it's good. They're going to be similar teams, just similar outlines, but um, again, great coaching staffs, great defenses, and downhill running. So I'm excited. It's some of my favorite teams are built like uh, just downhill running is a good defense.
1: Can I hit you guys with a trivia question right before we wrap? I know Matt, you've got a second here. Yeah. Do you know how many times Oregon State has beat Oregon at Otson's in a, in Jared's lifetime?
2: Six. Play every year, right?
1: At Otson's at Otson Stadium.
0: Or no, not even
1: six.
2: Four. Oregon State. Three.
1: One time. In two thousand seven. Two thousand and seven. Otherwise, uh-huh. it's been all Oregon at home at Otson. So that's that's again. We've talked about before. Past performances don't necessarily mean anything, but it's a fun stat to know, to talk about this week. If if Oregon State does win this, it'll be the just the second time since 1993 that they have won at Austin. Wait, State.
2: When do you think I was born?
1: Well, I, 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 it was 93. <laughs> 93 <laughs> was the second last before. No, I, I did 30 years. I, I knew it was less than that. I could have included yeah. less, but I mean, if the stat still. Oh, good. Yeah. Th- 30,
2: 30 is the nice even number.
1: Yeah, 1993 was the it was was the uh, second loss. You'd have to go back 2007 and 93 are the most recent. Gotcha. Ad, ad, ad,
0: yeah. Maybe, maybe Eric was thinking the stash added like six extra years.
1: No, I I knew how old he was. It does does. that goes back further? It was the same answer either way.
0: <laughs> yes, I'm just giving crap. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for us. Uh, tomorrow, which is Wednesday, the 22nd, we'll have Angie Machado on Beaver Blitz to get you prepared for that game. And then on Thanksgiving, you'll wake up or you'll be up already, and the podcast goes live with our predictions, our previews uh, for that one. And then next time from that, you'll hear us is Friday night from, Oxen, or from our, our houses following a game against uh, the Oregon State Beavers, recapping that one. Uh, Again, remind you guys, if you want to support the podcast, the best way to do it, go sign up for 75% off an annual membership to DuckTerritory.com. That's a sale that we're running right now, the best sale of the season. Until the next one, you've been listening to the Odds and Audibles podcast. Talk
1: to you later, folks.
0: Peace.